know, this morning you may not have a great life, but if you're saved, you have a great God. Amen? I was thinking about the words of that song. They says, I'm captured by the wonder of it all. You ever just sit back and, and think about how good God is? And you just get captured by it, realizing how good God's been to you and how good God's been to us as a country and us as a church. Boy, I tell you, we could sit here all day long, maybe around Thanksgiving. We'll just take some extra time thanking God for his goodness. Amen. Let's take our Bibles out and jump right in this morning if we could. Romans chapter number 5. Romans chapter number 5. When you get there, if you don't mind, let's stand together. Romans chapter number 5, and probably going to be in Romans chapter 5 tonight as well. Not that we're going to preach a two-parter, but probably be in the same chapter tonight if the Lord leads how I think he's going to in the service. And I have some exciting things at the end of our service today, so we're going to jump right in and try to be short in our introduction, uh, share the message the Lord's given us, and then uh, and we have some baptisms today as well. So just an exciting day to be in God's house. Romans chapter number 5, uh, we're not going to take the time to read all of the chapter because, uh, boy, there's a lot of good stuff in here, and I want to give you the context, and we'll jump to that here in just a few minutes, but let's get on our key text uh, this morning all the way toward the end of the chapter, verse 20 and verse 20. 21. Romans chapter number 5, verse 20, verse number 21. The Bible says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you, Lord, for who you are and for all that you've done, for your goodness and your greatness, for allowing us to be in church today. Lord, a lot of people couldn't be here today. Uh, Lord, their health is not where they could. And Father, maybe they're away, but Lord, we're, we're able to be in your house today, and I'm thankful for that. We're able to have a copy of your word. Thank you for your goodness in giving us that. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, we would be captured by that and the enamored by the wonder of just how great you've been to us. And Lord, I pray we'd open our hearts now to receive what else you have for us. Whatever the message, Lord, may be that your Holy Spirit, Lord, uh, sends to us and speaks to us, help us decide even now we're going to be obedient to it. And we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Couldn't help but think while they were singing was at the hospital, two different hospitals this week, visiting two different members. As a matter of fact, visiting two different Marys. Amen. Had two Marys in the hospital this week from our church. And uh, I, was, uh, I was blessed uh, with the opportunity to get to visit with people uh, who have a great walk with God and great faith in God. And as I stood there, I was thinking while they sang, as I stood in both those hospital rooms, uh, both of those folks who were having health issues, uh, Miss, uh, Miss Mary Scherer and then Miss Mary Hillman, both of them went on and on about how good God is. Uh, having the surgery that Miss Mary did and taking the fall that the other Miss Mary did, and yet they didn't focus on that. They focused on the goodness of God, and uh, boy, he is good. In Romans chapter 5, we really see the goodness of God and the journey that all of us that are saved have made in our relationship with God. If you're here this morning and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, Romans chapter 5 really illustrates our journey back to God. And we can see the path that our relationship was restored to God where it came full circle. And by the way, if you're saved, aren't you glad you can say that you once again now have a relationship with Almighty God? 
Because of the Lord Jesus Christ, that relationship has been restored, that relationship uh, that was divided there in the Garden of Eden where our sins separated us from God and Christ came to reconcile man and God back together. And we see that if you look in chapter 5, verse 1, we'll preach out of this tonight, but the Bible says, therefore, we being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that we have that? Verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Boy, there are so many benefits, we'll look at that tonight, on being a Christian and being a child of God. But I want you to know it hasn't always been that way, has it? As you read Romans chapter 5, you look at verse 6, the Bible says there was a time for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly, that's all of us, All of us, amen, I don't care how good you are, how nice you're dressed, or maybe how good you smell this morning, amen. On Sunday morning, you break out that good perfume uh, to come to church, not that cheap dollar general stuff. Doesn't matter at all this morning. The Bible says that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We were the ungodly. The Bible says in verse number six, we were without strength in due time. Christ died for the ungodly. Verse eight shows you just how great his love was for us. The Bible says, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knew we were damaged goods. He knew we were ungodly. He knew we were sinners. And yet the Bible says he commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's not like dirt cheap, folks. You know, we go to dirt cheap and we buy something and we hope it's going to turn out well. All right, sometimes you get it home and it works. Sometimes you get it home like me and it doesn't work. Uh, Then you have to explain to your wife why you bought something that didn't work. Can I tell you, when Christ bought and paid for you and I, he knew what he was getting, yet he paid the price anyway. Aren't you glad he paid that price in full? You look down to verse number 12, the Bible shows that where it all began, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, In death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. It goes back to our great-great-grandfather and grandmother, Adam and Eve. That's where sin made its way into the world. And yet, when you look down to verse 15, the Bible shows us that Christ came to undo what the damage of sin did. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead... Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Adam and Eve opened that door and sin came in and sin passed upon all men. But the Bible says that Christ came and undid all that sin did. And through what Jesus Christ did, the Bible says that gift of grace has been bestowed upon all men. But I want you to know a gift has to be received. You have to choose to receive that. Now, God simplifies this for us in chapter 5. Our key text today, verse 20 and verse 21, God simplifies what we were struggling with and why we needed a Savior. Verse 20, the Bible says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And then he goes on to say in verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through life. Here's what God is doing. God shows us what we were struggling with, and then God shows us the solution to what we were struggling with. Now, you say, well, this is old news. Hey, I'm saved. But don't you know, saved people still struggle with things? 
Can you not tell that our country is still struggling today? America is struggling. Families are struggling. Young people are struggling. Uh, Homes are struggling. Churches are struggling. And here's what's wonderful. As we look at this this morning, that's the bad news. We still struggle with our arch nemesis, which the Bible says very clearly in verse number 20 is what? It's sin. The Bible says it's sin. Here's the good news. God gave us a solution for the struggle in verse 20 and verse 21. I want you to notice this morning, this is not God suggesting a solution. This is God giving us a solution. Uh, Look, I'm thankful for people who give me advice. Sometimes I ask for it. Sometimes I don't. (laughs) Amen. Uh, I'm thankful for people who gives us suggestions about how we can solve things we struggle with. All of us struggle with things. All of us have times in our life where we have difficulty. We don't have the answers that we need. And I'm thankful for people who give suggestions. Uh, Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. Can I tell you what God gives us as a solution in verse 20 and 21 isn't a suggestion for our struggle. It's a solution for our struggle. This morning, I want to help both the lost and saved alike today, okay? If you're not lost and you're not saved, you're free to go. You don't have to sit through this, okay? But if you're here today and you're lost or you're saved, I want, you, I want to help you from God's word and find the solution to what we're struggling with. Listen, if you're lost, you're in a struggle even though you may not realize it. You're in an eternal struggle for your soul, and if you don't trust Christ as your Savior, you're going to die in eternity separated from Almighty God in a devil's hell. Oh, that's the most horrible struggle you could be in. But even after we get saved, we find that in our walk with God, we struggle, don't we? I mean, we have struggles every day. And if you say that you don't, you are lying. You need to get right with God. Because we all struggle in our Christian life. Can I tell you, the solution that God gives us in verse 20 and verse 21 is the same solution for all of our struggles. Now, you're saying, you're saying to yourself, well, that's a mouthful. My wife and I, we have a rule in our marriage. We try not to use the words always and never when we're arguing. We made that rule right when we got married. Could I encourage you, try not to use the words always and never because you're usually lying, all right? You always nag me, that's not the truth. Maybe most of the time, but not always, all right? You never take out the garbage, okay? Maybe once or twice a year, but that's not never, okay? So you can't use those words. But I can tell you this morning that the answer God gives us in verse 20, verse 21, is an answer that will always help you find a solution to your struggles, I'm going to prove it from God's word this morning. Let's look at this topic if we could. God's solution for our struggle. God's solution for our struggle. Now, notice, if you will, verse number 20. Look at what's at the heart of where we struggle and why we struggle. Verse 20, the Bible says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But watch this. But where sin abounded, the Bible says. Can I tell you what the root of all of our struggle, lost or saved, The root of all of our struggles is our arch nemesis, and it is sin. Now, folks, don't tune me out here this morning. You're going to think, good grief, you know. Got up this morning, put on my good cologne, come to church, and you're going to preach about something all of us know about. No, look, I want to give you a solution for it. But in order to find the solution, you've got to know what the problem is. And our problem of why we struggle, both lost and saved, is simply sin. Now watch, verse 20 gives us the nature of sin. Watch what it says. But where sin abounded. Sin isn't just there. Sin abounds. 
Now, you got to get this first part this morning. God wants us to realize that what's the heart of what's wrong in our lives and in our world, number one, it's overwhelming sin. The heart of what we struggle with, both lost and saved, the heart of all of it, the root of all of it, is nothing less than overwhelming sin. It doesn't just say that it's sin. The Bible says sin abounds. Now, before you get mad at me, I'm not saying that everyone is struggling, is struggling in sin, okay? Now, you might be, and if you're struggling, it never hurts to check up and make sure you're not struggling because you are in sin. Now, you may not be struggling in sin, but I'll tell you this, if you're struggling this morning, can I tell you, you are struggling with sin. Because sin is at the root of every struggle that we have. You say, what's the difference? Well, struggling in sin is, means you're struggling because you're living in opposition to the will of God. All right? The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Proverbs 13, 15. By the way, when we do get in struggles in our life, it never hurts. It doesn't matter how right you may think you are. It never hurts to see, am I struggling in my life because I'm out of the will of God? I've told you before, uh, my mom was sick there many, many years ago, almost 20 years ago now, 30 days there in the hospital at Forest General. And boy, we were praying for her and praying God would heal her. And at one point, the doctors told us she could have less than a year to live, and we were just devastated. And I had to make sure that God heard my prayer. As best I could tell, I was right with him. But boy, my brother and I, we knelt down in our living room and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed, but we had to make sure we were right. Sometimes, folks, God will use struggle to help us recognize sin in our life. Now, I know that's not popular preaching, but that's truth. So how do you know that? Well, the apostle Paul was obviously struggling. You say, how do you know that? Because Jesus told him, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. That was a small, pointy ox goad, if you will, that they would nudge the ox along, and you use that little point to get them moving along their way, much akin to a mom and dad who would use a paddle or a switch to get them to do what you want. You're, you're causing a little discomfort in their life to help encourage them in the right way. Can I tell you, they do that because they love you, and God does it because he loves us. The Bible says he chastens every son that he loves. And so struggling in sin means you know that you're out of the will of God. You're living in opposition to the word of God. Therefore, God brings uncomfortable circumstances our way to help get us back where we need to be. Now, you may not be struggling in sin this morning, but can I tell you, you may be struggling with sin. You say, what's the difference? Do you know that because of sin, we live in a cursed world? We do. This world is cursed. I don't think I have to convince anybody about that. Just turn on the television. Drive down the street. Walk around the mall. Oh, my goodness gracious. You're talking about the people show that's in the mall. You can see just about every kind walking around. Our world is struggling, and we're struggling with sin. You say, what do you mean by that? It's the effects of sin. We're living in a fallen, cursed world. By the way, you live in a fallen, cursed body. And this thing wants stuff it doesn't need to have. This thing wants to look at things it doesn't need to look at. It wants to listen to things it doesn't need to listen to. It wants to think on things it doesn't need to think about. I live in a, a, a fallen body, and boy, I struggle with sin. I may not be in sin, but boy, sin makes my life miserable. It makes yours miserable as well. Matthew 24, 12, the Bible says, Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. 
Look at the world we're living in. It's waxing cold, hard, lifeless. I mean, I've never seen a time where people were more rude. I've seen so many people chewed out at Dollar General. If you work at Dollar General, bless your heart. People chew people out over a 50-cent discount or why the self-checkout's not working. Or I mean, people are just rude anymore. I mean, the hospitality state is going to lose its hospitality before long. Why? Because we're living in a fallen world and we're living in a fallen body and we struggle with this thing of sin. Sin is at the root of all of our struggles. Whether you're living in and struggling in sin or you're struggling with sin. You know, life wasn't always like this. You know that? There was a brief time in human history back in the Garden of Eden where there was no sin. You know what life was? Well, if you go back for the sake of time, we will not. In Genesis, the Bible says it was good. It was good. Life was good. The garden was good. I kind of feel it was probably somewhere around 71, 72 degrees. I kind of feel like that. There were no mosquitoes. Amen. No love bugs, those good-for-nothing things. Told someone at a funeral yesterday, I just wish we could figure out how to profit off these things. You can't use them for fish bait. They won't even, I mean, even a fish won't eat them. You know that's how bad it is. No love bugs, no mosquitoes, no stickers, no thorns, no poison ivy, no COVID. It was all good. And Adam and Eve had to go mess it up. Let sin in the world You see, the struggle began with sin. All of our struggles go back to sin. The Bible says sin abounds. Sin abounds. You say, what do you mean by that? The word abound, we we preached on it last week, about abounding in the word and the will of God. Abounding means it exceeds a set point. Man, sin is steadily exceeding set points. Sin is abounding. There's stuff happening I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. Why? Because sin abounds. We look back in the Garden of Eden. We see after sin entered, there were thorns. You had to earn a living by the sweat of your brow. Thank Adam for that. There's travail in birth. Thank Eve for that. That's where struggle was born. All out of good old-fashioned sin. It was in the Garden that Adam and Eve learned the character of sin. Watch. Sin abounds. So what do you mean by that? You would think that they just sinned one little time. And we're going to sin, and it's going to be no big deal. It's just going to affect that one area of their life. Oh, no. No. You see, sin abounds. Sin always exceeds a set boundary. This is why, by the way, if you have a mom and dad that preaches and teaches against sin in your life, and your home, you ought to love them and thank God for them. Why? Because they've been around long enough to know that sin abounds. It's not just going to stay in that one area of your life. Sin is going to spread to every area of your life. And the Bible says in the end, when sin is finished, it brings forth death. That's why we preach against sin. Why? Because you think, well, it's just one little sin, no big deal, nobody's going to know. Oh, the Bible says be sure your sins will find you out. Sin does not stay contained. Sin abounds. We have God's word on it. Look at verse 20. The Bible says where sin abounded. That's why Galatians 5 says a little leaven, leaven of the whole lump. I've heard it said a lot of times, a lot of times, and I get it. Look, I know as a pastor, that's what I should expect. But you hear people all the time, what's the big deal? It's not that big a deal. Sin's a bigger deal than you think it is. And if you think sin's not a big deal, you will find out it's way bigger than you thought it was. 
Adam and Eve just thought a simple thing. Let's take this one fruit. Not that big a deal. Hey, we're going to break God's law and God's word one time. No big deal. And all of a sudden, it went from Eve and abounded to Adam and abounded to nature and abounded to the world and abounded to their children and now has abounded to every generation since. That's why you can't play with it. That's why it scares me to death. And it ought to scare you to death too. Why? Because the nature of sin is a simple fact. It's going to abound. Understand this. Don't forget this this morning. Where sin exists, sin abounds. You're not going to corner it in one area of your life or your home. Well, this is my pet sin. That pet's going to eat you alive. Read the story once of a couple wanted to see Mexico and drive from Texas and drive all the way down, and they drove down through Chihuahua, Mexico. Never been there as far as I know. They were staying in a little bungalow, and every morning they'd wake up, there was a, a baby Chihuahua sleeping on the edge of their porch, and they would go out, he would open the door, and he would run off. Like, what? You know, I hate that, that little Chihuahua. And so they started putting out some food for it, that that Chihuahua might stay around, and after a while they'd open the door, and he wouldn't run off. And they started taking some little bread and, you know, feeding it some of their tacos and stuff like that. And finally, after a while, they got where they could feed it by hand. A little chihuahua would come over there, and they just fell in love with this baby chihuahua and thought, hey, what better souvenir from Chihuahua, Mexico than a chihuahua? I mean, it's a chihuahua and chihuahua. I mean, authentic name brand, literally. We got it from the source, chihuahua. And so they thought, you know what, we're going to take it back home. That's going to be our little pet, our souvenir. And hey, what a great souvenir to bring back a chihuahua from chihuahua or chihuahua. They put it in a little pet carrier, put it under all their luggage, drove across the border, got it in safe, everything was okay, and got home. And after a while, that little chihuahua just starts foaming at the mouth. Man, it started biting and snapping at them. And man, they're not sure what's going on. And so they take their chihuahua to the vet and they said, hey, you know, something's wrong with our dog. And man, he starts looking over, opens the cage, and he closed the cage right back up. He says, I, I know what's wrong with your dog. They says, what? They said, well, that's not a dog. That's a rat. They had imported this rat. They thought it was a baby chihuahua. It was a rat that they had imported all the way from Mexico. So it wasn't a chihuahua chihuahua. It was a chihuahua rat. And they brought it all the way back from Mexico. And now it's got rabies and it's foaming at the mouth. And they're like, get rid of that thing. That's the way we are with sin. We think it's cute. It's just cute. It's just a little thing. Hey, it's no big deal. It's not going to bother me. It's not hurting anybody else. Yeah, how'd that work out for Adam and Eve? It's not going to hurt anybody else. Just take of this fruit. No big deal. Hey, you struggle because they thought sin was no big deal. And your children are going to struggle because you don't think sin's a big deal. Our country's struggling because the church hasn't thought sin was a big deal. Can I tell you this morning, the root of all of our struggles is the fact that sin always abounds. You can't contain it. It's like that little rabies rat. J. Wilbur Chapman had someone in his office one time and confronted him over preaching about sin. They says, look, you shouldn't name sin, you shouldn't call out sin, you shouldn't mention specific sins, just preach generically on sin. I've actually heard that one before. People leave church, they don't want you calling sin out by name. I'm not going to call anybody's name, but I don't mind calling sin's name. Why? Because it's dangerous. J. Wilbur Chapman turned around, and on the shelf, he had a bottle of strychnine poisoning. Then he showed them on the bottle of strychnine, there was a skull and crossbones and big red letters that had poison on it. He said, how cruel would I be to peel off the label that says poison and leave this laying around for someone to take and to drink and to die? They says, you'd be irresponsible. He says, 
no more than I would be not preaching against sin. Because sin, listen, that strychnine can only kill the body, but sin can kill the soul and destroy the soul and eternally separate it from God. That's why we've got to preach against sin. Because the reason people struggle in sin or with sin, it's simply because it always abounds. You're not going to contain it in your life. So in order to find the right solution, we've got to know what we're struggling with. Verse 20, the Bible says, when we were lost, and now even after we're saved, we struggle because sin abounds. Now, you might be thinking this morning, I know we're living in a woke world, and we've got to be more tolerant. I'm trying to work on it, all right? I'm tr- look, I got, a, I got a Big Mac the other day. It was a Big Mac. No, it was a McDouble, the cheaper one. Uh, and they put onions on it, and I ate them. I tolerated it. I'm trying to become more tolerant, okay? I held my nose the whole time, chewed up those little onions they put on those burgers at McDonald's. I'm trying to be more tolerant. But the truth is the truth. The Bible says, uh, the Bible tells us that moreover, look down if you will, verse 20, the law entered that the offense might abound. They say, what is that getting at? Well, God gave us his law to work as a measuring stick. All right? And the law of God, the word of God, we, we measure up beside it, and it shows us where we stand. And when we measure up to God's law, God's law condemns us that we are sinners. All right? I'm not calling you a sinner. I'm just telling you the Bible says we are sinners. All right? Why? Because the law of God, we've transgressed it. The Bible says if we look upon a woman to lust on her, we've committed adultery in our heart already. I mean, you think about all the ways that we have broken the law of God. I'm not condemning you. I'm not being judgmental of us. I'm telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says the law has made us to be sinners. The offense might abound. You ever thought you were doing pretty good at something? And then somebody who knew what you were supposed to be doing comes along behind you and critiques you on it, and you realize you weren't doing as good as you thought you were? Story of my life. Amen? Some of you, we ought to start a club. We think we're doing good, and we compare ourselves to ourselves, which the Bible says is unwise. And we're like, well, I'm better. We always find the most low-down, dirty guy to compare ourselves to, don't we? We're going to find the Otis's on the Andy Griffith show. I'm better than Otis. Well, most people were. I'm better than him. But you see, that's not the measuring stick. It's not Otis. The measuring stick is the word, the law of God. That's the measuring stick. Look, look, don't try to measure yourself by me. You'll be better than me, and you're going to be disappointed because when you get to heaven, you're going to be measured by me. You've been measured by God's word. And we measure up the side of it. We realize, for all have sinned and come short. We don't measure up. Matter of fact, the Bible says we are sinners. Galatians 3.24, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. So we start reading God's word and what God's law and what God demands. God is righteous. God is holy. We're realizing, oh dear. Problem. Problem. I, I don't measure up. I'm not righteous. I'm not holy. My righteousness, the Bible says it's as filthy rags. I really don't measure up. Wait a minute. The Bible says, Galatians 3.24, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. How does that work? When you realize you don't measure up, you go run into someone who does. And aren't you glad Christ measured up? Hey, he fulfilled every bit of it. There wasn't one thing that he failed in. Christ overcome every temptation you will ever fail. He measured up and he says, hey, come over to where I am. And you accept Christ, he measures up for us. Why? Because sin always abounds. Sin always abounds. But through Christ, through Christ, boy, God looks down and he sees righteousness. Amen. I'm thankful for that this morning. I was thinking about Mary Poppins. I love that show. 
I hope I never get to the age where I grow out of watching those old, old films. Man, I love Mary Poppins. And if you remember, Mary Poppins had a measuring stick. Y'all remember that? And what did Mary Poppins measure up? Practically perfect in every way. And then the kids, you know, they measured up the kids. And one says, you know, I think Snickers and giggles. And one says doesn't clean up his room. You ever wonder what you would measure up on Mary Poppins? Some of you just measure up weird. <laughs> weird and squirrely, you know. Sleepy, dopey. I don't know. You'd measure up on there somewhere. Look, you don't have to worry about Mary Poppins measuring stick. When you stand before God, Mary Poppins is not going to be there. But oh, you're going to be measured. Oh, you're going to be measured. And I pray this morning you measure up not because of your righteousness, but the righteousness of God. What do we struggle with? Number one, we struggle with overwhelming sin. But then I want you to see something. God's about to give us a solution. This is the good part, folks. The Bible says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. So God gave us the law as a measuring stick. And we got measured. We found out sin abounded in our life. But wait a minute. Look at the rest of verse 20. The Bible says, grace did much more abound. You see, the bad news is sin abounded. But the good news is God loved us enough not to leave us there. We looked at verse 8 while ago. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He looked down and he saw that sin abounded in our life and we didn't measure up. And so he sent Christ. And what did Christ do for us? Well, he secured the solution. What was that? Well, the Bible says where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Oh, what a frightening thought that sin abounds. If you're lost, sin abounds. Sin is more than you can handle. It abounds. It exceeds you. And it will swallow you. If you're saved and you're living in sin, sin abounds. And boy, you're going to struggle. And now here we are, saved people, trying to live right in a world where sin abounds. We're living with sin and sin abounds. And after a while, you get so depressed. You turn on the news, you read a newspaper, you flip through your phone and you read what's on the news and you just get depressed. Why? Sin abounds. You're like, it's everywhere. Sin is just here and here and here and it abounds everywhere. Watch this. Although we struggle with overwhelming sin, notice what God offers us, number two. He offers us overshadowing grace. Where sin abounded, the Bible says grace did much more abound. You see, when I was lost, the word of God showed me that I was in sin. All right? We were lost. We were dead, the Bible says, in our trespasses and sins. Sin had overwhelmed us. We were dead, we were lost, we were prisoners, we were captives. But wait a minute. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What was the gift? Can I tell you what it was? It was grace. Grace. When all of a sudden you looked as a lost sinner and I looked as a lost sinner and realized sin abounded, I knew I was a sinner. I knew I had failed God. I knew I had broken his law. I knew I could not measure up to the righteous standard of God. All of the sudden, when I recognized my sin that it abounded, suddenly I was offered an overwhelming gift, and it's called grace. Now watch this. The Bible says where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Titus 2.11, the Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. The grace of God brought salvation. Watch, no matter what sin had done, and no matter how much sin abounded, sin set in the shadow of the grace of God. 
as great as my sin was and as big as my sin was and all the things you've done wrong in your life, it doesn't matter. Sin sits in the shadow of the mighty grace of God. No matter how much sin abounds, grace did much more abound. Oh, I tell you this this morning, it excites me so much to think about no matter what sin has done to you, grace can do much more for you. Think about it. Maybe you're sitting here this morning. You don't have the testimony you love to have. Maybe sin has abounded in your life and sin has wreaked wreck and ruin and heartache and pain and regret in your life. You're like, good night. Sin has abounded. Can I tell you, the Bible says we have the word of God, that the grace of God abounds so much the more. That means the grace of God is sufficient for whatever sin is in your life. Don't you dare, don't you dare, don't you dare try to talk God out of why you shouldn't be saved because of something you've done wrong. You're insulting the grace of God because he promised us that no matter how great your sin is and how much your sin is abounded, that the grace of God, what does it say? Did much more abound. Can I tell you what I love about verse number 20? I love where it says grace did much more. Grace did much more. Maybe you're here and you have scars of sin in your heart. You have the remnants of sin in a past life in your mind. And boy, sin has done a lot. Sin has done a lot. Can I tell you that based on the word of my father, grace did much more. Grace did much more. Doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, and you look and your sin, your sin is a towering skyscraper all around you, and you're thinking, there's no way a God of heaven would save me. As a Christian, there's no way God could ever use me. Can I tell you, sin might abound, but grace did much more abound. I remember the song as a kid, you sing it a lot. I'm sure we've sang it here, I can't recall when. It's a song about grace. It's a song entitled, Grace That is Greater Than All Our Sin. I don't want to know, and I'm sure nobody else does, but there's no telling what thoughts, deeds, regrets sit in this room right here this morning. You know, I've thought things in my heart and my mind before that I hope nobody ever, ever, ever gets a look at. Sure, just like you have. You know you've wanted to choke people before. Come on. Probably the person sitting next to you. Your kids, your spouse. You're thinking, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. But we have insurance. No, I can't do that. Gosh, get out of my head. You can't believe you went there. Man, the wickedness that we possess, the regrets in our heart, the regrets in our mind, oh, sometimes they're great, aren't they? But as the song says, and as the scripture says, more importantly, grace is greater than our sin. Grace is greater than our sin. doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. Can I tell you, regardless if you're here this morning and you're struggling in sin as a lost person, or you're a saved person and you're struggling with sin, can I tell you what the solution is? It's grace. Grace is a solution for what we struggle with doesn't matter. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, the Bible says the apostle Paul had this problem he was struggling with. He had this thorn in the flesh and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed, God, take away this thorn from my flesh. 
And God didn't take the thorn away. Wouldn't it be neat if God just took away all the problems in our world? No, but he doesn't. Do you know why? You learn more about grace when he leaves the thorn in. He says, my grace is sufficient for thee. Paul's looking around at this need. We don't know what the need was, but it was a thorn in his flesh. And he says, it it abounds, it's huge, it's ever with me. And Christ speaks to him and he says, I want you to know my grace is sufficient. What does that mean? It doesn't matter how big your sin or your problem is, grace is bigger. And all of our sin sits in the shadow of God's grace. This is why I wonder this morning why we run from God. Why we run from God. God comes and knocks on our heart's door and says, hey, I I got something for you. And we run, oh, no, no, I don't have time. I mean, it is 11.59. We'll be here a little while longer, all right? Go ahead and settle in. Go ahead and shift sides. That way you get comfortable. Folks, we need to understand this. We're struggling. The lost are struggling in sin. Some saved are struggling in sin. And all of us are struggling with sin. And the answer of the Bible says that where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. And yet he comes to us and he offers us that gift of grace and we run from him. Spurgeon wrote a book entitled All of Grace. And in his book, he told the story of a lady who was late on her uh, her bill for her landlord. She heard a knock at the door and just knowing it was the landlord, she ran and hid in the closet and didn't open the door. A few days later, she peeked out, decided it was time to go to church. And so she went to church and was talking to the preacher. And he says, I came by to see you the other day. She says, when? He told her. She says, well, I thought you were the landlord, and I went and hid out. He says, no, I heard you were struggling with your your bill to pay for your rent, and someone gave us some money to help out pay your rent, and I was coming to bring it to you. And she was running and hide, hiding. That's how God is with his grace. He comes, and he knocks on our heart's door, and he says, hey, I've got something for you. He said, no, God's just there to rub my face in my sin. No, he wants you to give grace to overcome your sin. That's why he brings conviction. He's not there to bring conviction just to make you feel bad. No, his end game is to restore you through a sufficient grace, but you have to receive it. I went to Brother Braden's birthday party yesterday, and Brother Braden's got all these gifts that are sitting there, and... I thought to myself, we sat there, we kept watching my watch, watching my watch. I'm like, well, I got to go. I had to preach at Miss Pauline Anderson's funeral yesterday. And I'm like, I got to go. I got to open these presents. I promise you, he got around to opening them presents. I promise you, Brother AJ, am I, am I right? They're not sitting there unwrapped, are they? They're, they're opened. Why? He's like, what kind of a dummy would you be to have all these gifts and not open them? Just about as dumb as we are when God brings us grace and we don't receive it. What I find interesting, I'll, I'll hurry about the life of the Apostle Paul. Before he got saved, watch this, he struggled in sin. See, how do you know that? Remember, Christ says it's hard. He was kicking. It's hard. He was struggling in sin. Here's the neat thing. Later, when he had the thorn in the flesh, he struggled with sin. Can I tell you what the answer was in both cases? Grace. Grace saved him while he was in sin. Grace saved him while he was dealing with sin. Can I tell you in 2022... Sin abounds. Sin abounds. It's kind of like Paul's thorn. Thorns are everywhere. Thorns are everywhere. That's why I tell you, you ought to turn off TV every once in a while. Get off the phone every once in a while. Why? Because, you know, we, we, we take out our phone and we sit there. We're gluttons for punishment. And we scroll through and we keep getting poked. 
We read the news, man, this is going on and this is going on and the queen died and all this stuff and we're scrolling through there and we just keep getting poked and poked and poked and poked and poked. Why? There's thorns everywhere and thorns abound in the world we're living in. Can I tell you that God's grace is greater than any thorn you're going to encounter in 2022? Sin abounds, but grace did much more abound. Now, I want to show you something this morning. Uh, Brother Liam, where's he at? Brother Liam, one of my buddies. He's uh, looks like a little preacher. Come on over here, Brother Liam. I pulled him out of children's church this morning and asked him if he'd help me. I picked him because he's my buddy, and he's a little bit vertically challenged, all right? Come up here, Brother Liam. Stand right here if you don't mind. I need two guys. You two guys on the end. Come up here right quick. Help me out. By the way, I appreciate Brother John Lapone helping with my illustrations. One-stop shopping. If you ever need a video game arcade, go see Brother John Lapone. Left one customs, right? Amen. Is that a good commercial? Good deal. All right. All right, Brother Liam, I want you to stand right here. I want you to hold this one right here. Stay right there. Don't move, okay? So here's Brother Liam. Get up here in the front. These folks over here can see. They paid for the good seats, so we want to make sure they can see as well. All right? Here's Brother Liam. I want you to notice that the law came. He measured up, and he realized sin had overwhelmed him. Sin abounds in the life of Liam. He's a sweet kid. He's going to preach for us one day. Share with me his favorite Bible verse today. Don't worry, I'm not going to call you on it right now because they're scared to look at, aren't they? They are. It's okay. Look at him. He don't even want to look at you. I have to. Part of my job. So Brother Liam was born just like all of us. He was born a sinner. He was born in sin. And watch this. Sin overwhelms him. And boy, Liam's looking up at this sin. Look at it, Liam. Man, it's a lot bigger than you, isn't it? Towers over you. And boy, then he's afraid. He's afraid. Man, sin, I, I, can't, I can't beat this. It's bigger than I am. All right, you come through here right quick. Let's see if we got it right. Here we go. Watch closely. All right, you hold this one up. Right there. So Liam finds out one day that he's a sinner. And boy, you're looking at it. It's big and it's scary. Sin is scary. By the way, we need to teach our kids that sin is scary. It abounds. Now, Liam, look over there. Oh, Grace did much more abound. Can I tell you, if you're here this morning and you're lost, you're looking at your sin and you're thinking, boy, this is big. I would encourage you to look to your right. Grace did much more abound. Now, watch this. As a Christian, here we are. Liam's a Christian. We look at sin. We look at our world. What's going on? Say, man, this world's going crazy. Sin's everywhere. Hey, quit focusing on it. Why don't you focus on the grace? The Bible says we're sin. Look over there. Look over there. The Bible says grace did much more abound. And you all of a sudden, sin doesn't look so big anymore. Sin's looking kind of small. You're thinking, yeah, there's some bad stuff going on. But the Bible says the grace of God did much more abound. Yes, listen, there's an overwhelming sin in our world, but there's an overshadowing grace that God's given us. All right? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to lay those down and go sit back there because I'm going to call you back up here in a minute, okay? Go sit back there in the important seats. But Liam, I want you to sit in the, the tan chair, all right? You got the tie on. Sit right here. You guys sit right there, all right? I'll use you in a minute. Pay attention. Don't fall asleep, all right? Stick with me on this. Number one, there's an overwhelming sin. Number two, we see an overshadowing grace. But wait a minute. Look at verse 21. Stick with me. Verse 21. The Bible says that as sin hath What? reigned unto death, even so might grace, what does it say? Reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice that word reign there. That word reign means sit on the throne. Sit on the throne. Do you know what I noticed with the passing of the queen recently? I noticed, man, she's a tough lady, wasn't she? 
90-something years old. And you just think, oh, Charles probably was really wanting to get there a little sooner than he got there. But the queen was just like, nope. <laughs> Don't you know Thanksgiving and Christmas was awkward? <laughs> you know, like, Mom, I'm going to die before you do. I'm never going to get to wear the crown. Well, he finally got, was 70-something years old, he finally got the opportunity to sit there on the throne. But you notice thrones are not two-seaters. Only one at a time. One at a time. Now Charles gets to sit there, and he gets to reign. Why? Because now mom is gone. Now, if only one can reign, do you know what that means? At some point, you've got to choose one or the other. That The Bible says, as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. The third part of the solution for our struggle this morning is this. Notice an overcoming choice. An overcoming choice. God gives you the option to choose what's going to reign in your life, whether it be grace or whether it be sin. God lets you choose. When I got saved, I realized it was sin reigning in my life, and I decided that I didn't want to live under that reign because the Bible says that sin, this right here, when you choose to live, you might enjoy it for now, but the Bible says when this is finished, it bringeth forth death. I wanted no part of that. I wanted no part of that. I decided, you know what? The Bible says that I could be saved for by grace are you saved. I didn't want to die. I wanted to be saved. So you know what I did? I made a choice. I made a choice that I was going to choose grace. I wanted the grace of God. I want the gift. I'm going to open it up. Why? Because for by grace are you saved. But the end of sin is death. God gives you the opportunity to choose what's going to reign in your life. If you're lost here today, can I tell you, sin reigns in your life. John 8, Jesus said, you're a servant to sin. It reigns, it dictates your life, it calls the shots, it is in charge, it is on the throne. And if you choose to live under the reign of sin, you will die and forever and eternity be separated from Almighty God in a place called hell. That's what the Bible says. By the way, that's what I deserve too. And then one day somebody, somebody came and told me there was a gift with my name on it. It was called grace. And they said, you know, for by grace are you saved. I said, well, I don't want to die. I want to be saved. I said, well, you've got to choose grace. And I remember bowing my head and praying and receiving the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross of Calvary for me, I received his grace. You see, I chose that, you know what, I'd rather live under the shadow of this than the shadow of that. If you're saved here today, can I tell you, that's how you got saved too. You chose grace over sin. You say, well, it's much more fun to live in sin, maybe for a little while. The Bible says sin is for a season. But the end of this path is death. It will always, always lead there. Now, can I tell you something wonderful if you are saved? I'll give you this and we close. If you're saved here today, perhaps your heart is downtrodden, you're disappointed, you're discouraged because we're living in a world that abounds in sin. It's everywhere. Do you know why you feel the way you do? It's probably because you're focusing in on that and not the grace that overshadows all of it. Why don't you decide this morning, you know what, as a child of God, I'm not going to let the struggles of this life overwhelm me. Why? God's already given me the answer. Grace. Grace. He promised Paul, as he promises us, it is sufficient. Sufficient. This week up at the hospital, talking to Miss Mary Hillman, 
Uh, man, she's one of my favorite people. Just have a good old time with her. And she fell off a ladder. She's 82 years old and fell off a ladder trying to move a nail. I said, Miss Mary, what were you doing up on a ladder? She said, well, I need to move a nail. I'm like, okay. I said, you got a lot of people worried about it. She said, they'll get over it. That's exactly what she told me. That's just Miss Mary. You got to love her if you get to know her. While we're sitting there, her daughter, Miss Ann, said to me, she said, uh, why don't you sing them the song, Mom, that you were, you've been singing? So here she is laying in the hospital. She's got broken bones all over and a burst disc in her back. I mean, all these things going on. And she sat there in her hospital bed, and she sang about the goodness of God and the angels that watch over her. How many of us would be laying there in the bed crying the blues? Ah. No. You know what she's choosing? She's choosing to recognize the grace of God, not focus on the things that are wrong. 2022, sin abounds. It'll get you down, but can I tell you something? Grace hasn't gone anywhere. Grace hasn't gone anywhere. It's sufficient. It's just as sufficient as the day that you got saved. Now, come up here right quick, guys, and I'm going to let you go sit down. Come prop up your boards one more time. Brother Liam, stand right there. I owe you a hamburger or something for all this. I appreciate it. He missed Children's Chapel to come up here and help us today. So Liam is you and I. He's you and I. You've got to choose what you're going to live under. If you, if you choose to live under sin and the reign of sin, you're going to live in doubt and fear, and you're going to struggle. Man, you're going to struggle. But old Liam decides, you know what? I don't want that in my life. I, I choose grace. Look at him looking up to it. He chooses grace. Can I tell you, look beyond your problems, Christian. Grace is still there. He promised us that. Listen, the Bible says. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2.16, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us, hath given us everlasting consolation and a good hope through grace. We have consolation and hope. What? Through grace. But wait a minute. Here's the question. Are you going to choose it? If you're lost here today, you have to choose grace. You were born with this default. You were born in sin, just like you and I were. You were born under sin, with an abounding sin. It was in there. It was in your heart, embedded the day you were born. Nobody had to teach you how to do that. You were in sin from that time that you were born. And there you are, and you realize one day, I've never received the free gift of the grace of God. And finally, one day, you turn, and you choose grace to accept what Christ did for you. Can I ask you, number one, this morning, if you're here today, do you know for sure that you've received grace? Do you know what it's called when you turn from, sorry, turn here, when you turn from sin to grace? Very good. That's called repentance. That's repentance. All right? You turn from this to this, that's repentance. I'm turning from sin that I don't measure up in, and I'm turning to grace. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that? Do you know for sure if you died, you'd go into heaven? I can show you, but you've got to receive grace. It's a gift, and it was given to you. Now, Christian, can I ask you something this morning? Are you struggling? Are you struggling? Can I tell you why you're struggling? We're struggling because of sin. Either you're in it or you're struggling with it. All of us are. You don't need to struggle. You know why? Because grace is sufficient. And where sin abounds, grace did much more. Why don't you let the grace of God do more in your life today? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand to our feet. No one's looking around. Thank you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The solution to